The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind mailbag. If you are a listener to the show and you've never gotten in touch before, why not give it a try? You can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Any kind of message is fair game. Of course, uh, feedback on on uh, recent episodes is, uh, is always appreciated. If you have something interesting to add, uh, if you have thoughts about uh, something we've talked about recently, or if you have uh, corrections or updates or anything like that, all fair game, send it to contact at stuff to blow your mind.com. But also if you just want to share something random that you thought we'd be interested in or, or just send a friendly message, it, it's all welcome. Rob, uh, I think we should start off with some responses to our series on uh, on bathing and beliefs about the supposed healing powers of immersion in water uh, and, and various warm mineral springs and things like that. Rob, do you, do you want to start us off reading this message from Fionn? Sure. Fionn writes, hi, folks. Really enjoyed the episode on the cultures around bathing, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I thought it would be interesting that fatigue was mentioned as something the ancient Romans believed could be helped by bathing, as I deal with chronic fatigue and always find starting my day with a hot shower boosts my energy. I think this is by virtue of relaxing my muscles and putting me in a good mood and ties in with the idea of the full body experience being an important aspect of this episode's topic. Well, yeah, on, on that note, I don't, um, I don't have to contend with chronic fatigue, but I do find that a nice hot shower is uh, definitely a boost, uh, regardless of what part of the day I, I happen to take the shower in. Like some, sometimes I'll take, a, take it first thing in the morning, sometimes later. Sometimes, you know, I'll take two. Uh, sometimes I'll take one at the gym, one at the house, that sort of thing. 
um, always like realigns the neurons in my experience. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Uh, even without chronic fatigue, I find it is a, a hot shower is kind of a crucial part of my wake up routine. If I have to skip it in a way, I kind of feel like I haven't woken up yet long into the day. Yeah, uh, they continue here uh, relating to cold water. My strongest experience would be taking part in the Christmas swim, going into the sea on Christmas morning with a few hundred others. There is always an intensely joyful social atmosphere and much talk of kickstarting the immune system. I suspect the therapeutic aspect here is the catharsis of collectively doing something that is a bit absurd. And of course, getting cozy afterwards is very satisfying. Yeah, as we discussed in the episodes, while it seems there are some isolated cases like uh, chronic lead poisoning where bathing probably does have a direct mechanism for healing, in most cases, perceived health benefits from bathing are more likely psychological based in either the placebo effect or in, you know, relaxation and positive effects on mood, though uh, that's not to discount these effects because psychological benefits can be surprisingly powerful even to how you feel in the body. Yeah, the cold tub and the, the cold dip is, of course, a part of different uh, different sauna and uh, spa cultures. Uh, I, I know there's a there's a Korean sauna that I have gone to in the past uh, here in the Atlanta area, and uh, and they have a they have a cold tub amid their hot tubs. And I see I would I would see people do the full immersion in the cold tub, and uh, it's it's just too cold for me. I think I I got down up to my neck in it once for maybe half a second. But that's the most I could do. Too shocking for my system. And of course, you see various like training videos of, of athletes doing the uh, not only a cold bath, but like an ice bath as part of their, I guess, like post-workout um, regime. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't researched that at all to, to know like if that's something that's helpful with like sore muscles and so forth. But um, I, I, if nothing else, it definitely looks like they're getting a shock to the system. Mm-hmm. Okay, more from the message. This episode also got me thinking about scenes of bathing in Irish folklore stories I've read recently, namely Lady Gregory's translations from the early 1900s. There are regular occurrences of heroes being healed miraculously in baths with healing herbs. Could this be considered tea? And often by bathing in broth. (laughs) Mm, Bath and broth. I assume that means like a meat broth. Yeah, I'm imagining the feeling now, a little bit of gelatin clinging to your skin all over your body. Well, I mean, it's often I've often seen it uh, recommended that if you have itchy skin, you might put some oats in the bath with you. So there's a there's a thin line between uh, culinary uh, preparation and just a good bath, I guess. Anyway, the message continues. Immediate access to fresh bathing water also seemed important in these stories for greeting guests. And a great moment is when Cuhullin arrives somewhere in his godly fury, the warp spasm. To avoid Cuhullin's wrath, his hosts put out three baths of cold water to literally quench his anger. When he gets into the first bath, all the water is immediately evaporated. The second boils over. And finally, in the third bath, he can cool down and relax. Oh man, I don't I don't remember encountering this in our past look at Kuhullen, but I love this. This is almost like a Looney Tunes level of yeah. trying to cool down the hot anger of Kuhullen. Oh, it's also like a warp spasm version of uh, the three bears, like the first two beds aren't comfortable enough, the the last one finally works. <laughs> 
All right, and finally, um, they turned to Weird House. On Weird House Cinema Note, over the last few days, I had a bunch of older episodes on for some background listening, and during one film about giant fighting robots, a character used some kind of medical spray. I think it was in Robot Shocks, but it may have been a different giant robot picture. Anyway, you were wondering where you had seen this medical spray before, thinking perhaps it was in a video game. I was pretty sure it was in a Metal Gear Solid game. And indeed, after checking the wiki, the healing spray item appeared in MGSV, but also, quote, resembles the first aid spray from the Resident Evil series. Now, at the end of this email, all I can think of is magical healing bath in a can. Thanks again for the great episodes. All the best. Well, thank you, Fionn. I was definitely thinking of the healing spray from Resident Evil when I put this together. I think I specifically would have been thinking about Resident Evil 4. I don't know, like a zombie bites a chunk out of your neck, and the way you get better is you take an aerosol can and spray yourself. (laughs) There's some, uh, goodness, there's some other game that I played or replayed recently that, that, uh, in retrospect, also had this. Maybe it was... Maybe it was XCOM. Uh, I have this vague memory of some sort of floating robot coming over and like hosing down a character with some sort of a spray (laughs) to heal them up. I feel like it would make more sense if what you were being sprayed with was like nanobots, uh, like the ones from Jason X that go in and repair Mm -hmm. all your tissue. I I don't know exactly how just the regular spray works. It's (laughs) disinfectant, I suppose. Yeah. All right. On to the next message about the washing of the waters. This is from Sean. Uh, And this one calls back to something we addressed in one of the episodes where uh, at one of the warm springs in Ireland where there was allegedly a healing property, uh, there was a source, Rob, you were talking about that said people would like gather up a worm that lived in the spring and the worm would be like in a cloth and then they would rub that cloth on their eyes. And then the Mm -hmm. source also said... People didn't leave the cloth hanging on a shrub nearby because there wasn't a saint associated with the spring. And we were mighty confused by this. We were like, wait, is it saying that the they didn't leave a cloth because like a saint wasn't there to make them be altruistic or something? Uh, but Sean helps clear this up. Hi. In relation to Washing of the Waters Part 2, specifically folklore remedies from Ireland, it is tradition to leave items, typically cloth, hanging from the local bushes or trees at holy wells, with the belief that it will be blessed by the saint of those waters and imbued with some property. The same can be seen of trinkets left on top of the site. This can be seen uh, to this day amongst the countless wells across our landscape. Many also have some ritual in how they are approached or utilized. How much of these traditions stem from pagan versus strictly Christian practice, I cannot say. Uh, I'd suspect it is a syncretism, meaning a, a blending of different religious traditions, as there are pagan myths involving wells as sources of healing. This syncretism of older cultural practices can be seen amongst our art and stories in insular Christianity. A wider example can be seen of this on St. Bridget's Day, where folks leave a cloth outside the house to be blessed by her. I guess meaning St. Bridget. Uh, she is one of our three national saints alongside Col- uh, Colmseal, uh, I think that might also be known as Columba, and Patrick, and uh, typically is associated with protection and healing. 
I'm not so sure what the whole idea is regarding application of a worm in a soaked cloth onto the eye. A weak argument can be made that general health improvements could be made from cleaning wounds with fresh water sources filtered by the rocks under the ground, or potentially the composition of the water having some effect, but I'd tend towards placebos. One example, uh, in which I cannot speak to the veracity of the claim, involves... Uh, I'll try to say this, uh, Tobier Nanialt, uh, i.e. the well at Glen Nanialt. Its curative properties are said to stop madness. Uh, again, it appears once or twice in general myths and local folklore. The unverified claim relates to low levels of lithium having been identified in the water source, which could induce antidepressive uh, or antipsychosis effects over time. Well, Rob, this connects to a note from our last episode on the beliefs about healing water, specifically uh, about so-called lithium springs or lithium or lithia waters. I, I think uh, you, you may confirm this. Our conclusions were that actual pharmacological effects from lithium springs would be really held back by dosage regulation issues. So it seemed fairly doubtful to us that people were really getting direct lithium treatment benefits from these supposed waters because often like the lithium level was so low that it was like not anywhere close to what you would take as an actual medical dose. Uh, but even if it were higher, it would be unregulated in a way that might be dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Like e during the time period that lithium water was initially really hot, like that was the the the, um, the, the that was the, the problem as people then uh, looked at the water, they analyzed the water and they said, whoa, there's actually little to no lithium in this water. Uh, so you're nowhere near a therapeutic dose. Uh, and, and I also want to, you know, again, thanks to Sean, because uh, this email came in before we did that episode. And so this email helped inform our uh, treatment of the lithia waters uh, segment of those episodes. Ah, Oh, and then finally, Sean includes uh, a, uh, a Gaelic greeting saying uh, regards and a happy St. Patrick's day to you, uh, Sean. Well, thank you very much for the message. All right. Uh, we also heard from the Nation of Gems. I'm not sure which gem this is, if this is a, <laughs> a past gem or a new gem. Uh, but this is this not gem... gem from New Jersey. Right, right. <laughs> this gem says, hey, guys, I'm enjoying the Washing the Waters series. Rob, as a fellow swimmer, do you find the quiet and peacefulness of the water muffling the outside world to allow your mind to enter a contemplative, contemplative state? I enjoy swimming for the physical exercise, but part of me enjoys the time I have to reflect and muse on what is going on in my day-to-day -day life. Thanks, Jim. Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, I, I may have touched base on this a little bit in the past, but you know, when, when I'm swimming, I'm, I'm generally doing uh, one of two things. Either I'm structuring my thoughts so as to keep track of what lane I'm on. Like um, on this lane, I'm only going to think about alien and then the second lap i'm only going to think about aliens and then alien three etc um that seems to work or i'll do like <laughs> a a top five of something just to do things in chunks of five mm -hmm. but other times i will like, sort of think structurally about um about something i'm i'm putting together like for the podcast or whatever uh or or some kind of like personal project or something and uh, i find that really rewarding um but uh, yeah, so yeah, there is something about the water muffling and, and so forth. Uh, there's still a lot to distract one if you let it distract you, in my experience, in like a YMCA pool, because you can still, 
you can still let those you know negative outside thoughts in you can let yourself get discouraged or frustrated with uh, people and situations around you even in the the immediate vicinity uh, so it's I don't know I, I think about the experience of being like a lap swimmer a lot like it's it's a bunch of people literally in their own lane doing their own thing and uh, and sometimes I worry that it's not uh, you know it's not social enough like it's not uh, uh, there should be some sort of like built-in way that we're communicating with each other instead of just doing our own things and and maybe eyeing each other less communally you know but yeah I, I guess the water muffling is part of it like you're you're, you're literally submerging yourself into this uh, this altered uh, state of sensory perception I think this is why people have a lot of thoughts in the shower also uh, it is not just that they are for the moment away from all their other tasks and devices and, and media sources and stuff so they're alone with their own thoughts uh, but it's also the I think the noise of the shower like the shower water coming down creates a white noise environment that helps you sort of like let your thoughts wander I find that snorkeling can be even more relaxing snorkeling can also be like for me anyway it can be kind of like high engagement especially if I'm snorkeling in a place that I haven't been to before the water's really cold uh, but if I'm like comfortable in a snorkeling environment and there's some interesting stuff to look at, that's really nice in my experience because you get that like part of it is not only the muffling of the water, but also the the rhythmic breathing, your own sound of your own breath through the snorkel is is really calming in a way that, uh, you know, rhythmic breathing for lap swimming isn't. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... 
Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Mm, okay, so I think we need to move on to some messages in response to our series on whales. And Rob, you've got to read this first one from Evan. Because I think you are the Star Wars extended universe guy between us. And this one definitely concerns the uh, the outskirts of the canon. Okay. All right. Uh, Evan writes in and says, hi, Rob and Joe. Love the show. Me and my wife have been listening for a long time. Keep up the amazing work. Related to the idea of whale barnacle armor. I was wondering if anyone else mentioned that Darth Bane, who lived about a thousand years before the films, at one point chose to allow himself to be covered with orbalisks, an insect or crustacean-like creature. Joe, are you familiar with Darth Bane? Uh, Not at all. I assumed you would be. Well, it's not a story the Jedi would tell you. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) Evan continues. Their tough shells provided him with lightsaber and blaster-proof armor, allowing him to take a purely offensive fighting style, as well as pain and a chemical that boosted his connection to the dark side, and they mention his terrifying appearance. It was not without downsides. They shortened his life and nearly killed him while he needed the insects removed. He also needed to wear special armor to keep them from spreading and covering his face, hands, etc., Looking like a monster also limited his ability to appear in public and maintain his budding empire. The details can be found in the great Bane trilogy books by Drew Carpeshin, which are wonderfully read with exceptional voice acting and sound effects in the official audiobooks as well. Me and my wife listen to it on Libby. Oh, we, we are a Libby household as well. Great way to get your, uh, your digital um, uh, and audio library books. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could ask about it at your local library as your card number will be needed. I attached a few images for fun. Okay, one's an illustration and one is a is a costume at a at a con or something. The illustration we got like a uh, a major evil looking bald boy who's got a some kind of pyramid floating in his hand and a red lightsaber. And yes, he does appear to be uh, encrusted with some kind of gunk, almost almost barnacle like. In fact, yeah, this is an interesting approach to bio armor, which of course though. Uh, brings to mind um, something from uh, uh, um, Children of Dune. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone out there who hasn't gone that far in mm-hmm. the Dune series. But as for Darth Bane himself, um, I haven't uh, I haven't read any of these books, but I have run across people uh, saying they're good before. So, um, yeah, at some point I might need to check them out. I haven't really explored that much from this time period of uh, of Star Wars lore. Well, thank you, Evan. Okay, we got a message from Colm. Colm says, hey, guys, just a quick one liner. Check out this story below. Good timing with the gray whale episodes. And uh, so I uh, I put together some notes here from Colm's link. This is an article in The Guardian by Phoebe Weston. Headline, extraordinary sighting of orca with baby pilot whale astounds scientists. Now. 
uh, yeah, a lot of what we discussed in uh, that series was about orcas being the main natural predators of gray whales. And so there would be this migratory journey where the gray whale uh, mothers and their calves would be going back up north along the western coast of uh, of North America uh, with the, the newborn calves having to be escorted by the mothers because the newborn calves are, are vulnerable to uh, predation by orcas. But in this case, it's uh, it's orca parenting behavior. So an adult orca appeared to be sort of guiding and protecting this little whale from a different species, a pilot whale. And this happened near Snifflesness, a peninsula on uh, on the western side of Iceland, where I have actually been. And mm. that's a really cool place. Awesome landscape. I don't know if it's normally like this, but when I was there, the wind quite literally almost knocked me off my feet. It was the <laughs> windiest place I've ever been. Uh, but anyway, so I found that the citation of the scientific paper documenting this observation in the orcas, this was by uh, Marie-Theresa uh, Mruchok et al., published in the uh, Canadian Journal of Zoology, called First Account of Apparent Alloparental Care of a Long-Finned Pilot Whale Calf by a Female Killer Whale. Uh, and this was just this year, 2023. Uh, to read from Phoebe Weston's article in The Guardian, quote, the ship's crew initially thought it was a very small killer whale calf swimming alongside the orca, but photos later confirmed what Maruchok suspected, that the female called Cetus uh, appeared to be looking after a newborn long-finned pilot whale. Uh, and then a different quote from the article, although this is the first time this behavior called interspecific alloparenting has been observed in orcas, it has been seen in other cetacean species. Short-beaked common dolphins, common bottlenoses, Indian Ocean humpbacks, and Indo-Pacific humpbacks have all been observed looking after the young of other species. Oh, that is very interesting. Also, definitely a, a, a different side to see after thinking about the predatory capacity of mm -hmm. the orcas almost exclusively for uh, for several episodes there. Uh, it's uh, very interesting and not to anthropomorphize too much, but I will say heartwarming. Yeah, I think if nothing else, it, it does just remind us that that orcas are complex creatures, intelligent creatures uh, with a lot going on and that we, we shouldn't be too quick to dismiss them as one thing or another. Oh, but hey, uh, one more quick response to the series we did on whales. We got a message from Mike. Mike's message was featured in a previous listener mail episode. This was the one about um, Mike had had an experience where he was out surfing and he found himself directly in the path of it was a baleen whale. I think it was a humpback. I'm sorry if I remember I that. So, wrong. Yes. Yeah. A humpback whale trying to feed, doing like lunge feeding on schools of uh something, maybe small fish uh, near the surface. And uh, Mike ended up having a profoundly stirring encounter with like one of the whale's eyes as it uh, sort of gently pushed him out of the way. So Mike uh, got in contact to say thanks for reading his whale story. Uh, and then he uh, added something else. Just to summarize, he said his work involves uh, some connection to generative AI. So he made some images. He attached, first of all, an image based on a description of his encounter with the, the humpbacks. And of that image, Mike says, uh, it fails to capture the burning intellect of the whale, but accurately captures the chaos and surreal, uh, surreality of the experience. And it shows a kind of... Uh, a strange uh, sort of glyph-faced human uh, underneath a whale that's that's breaching the surface as there are fish all throughout the sky, uh, sort of exploding from the water's surface there. 
Yeah, these were neat to scroll through. Um, uh, but then the second thing is, so that was his encounter. He also had uh, he also generated a bunch of images for movie posters for a film concept that is not a real movie. It's one Mike dreamed up, and that concept is scanner whales. That's <laughs> that's very good. Mm, yeah, there might be something to that. The scanner whale posters have a very 70s look. I, I really like them. And one of them shows what appears to be like a whale with a sort of x-ray image where you're looking at, I guess it's skeleton, but it's not a whale skeleton. It looks like sort of a combination of a, a whale skeleton with like a deflated basketball or uh, maybe like a car that's been in a in an accident and it's all crunched up. It's, it's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I could imagine this sort of thing fitting into that uh, that, that 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 sort of weird period of um, of dolphin and whale based uh, cinema, you know, which also kind of has its uh, harkens back to the success of Jaws. Are we talking Day of the Dolphin, or are we talking about Free Willy? Uh, not so much Free Willy. Um, <laughs> thinking more about Day of the Dolphin. Um, also, certainly thinking about uh, the 1977 film Orca. Uh, which uh, which we were talking about a little bit um, when uh, when we were recording these episodes. Not a movie I recommend anyone watch, but a, a, a movie that I remember watching part of, I think on A&E uh, as a kid, and it has some very disturbing scenes in it. Uh, starred, of course, Richard Harris. Anyway, Mike says, thanks. Absolutely love Stuff to Blow Your Mind and Weird House. Looking forward to more. All right. Speaking of Weird House, let's go ahead and uh, do one last listener mail. Uh, this will be uh, Weird House related directly from Levi. <laughs> Levi writes, hello, guys. A recent backpacking trip to the Red River Gorge had me binging all my podcasts, but I was gleefully surprised to listen to your latest Weird House Cinema episode, which is quickly becoming my favorite podcast. Growing up, my dad was our media curator and as a result, we watched all the great classic sci-fi movies, campy westerns, The Twilight Zone, etc. Somewhere in the mix was this story that absolutely enthralled me as a child about a man who starts shrinking and goes on incredible adventures in his embiggening, <laughs> in his embiggening home. Mm -hmm. I had vivid memories of a tiny man fighting off a basement creature with a needle spear. But I always assumed this was an episode of The Twilight Zone. Over the years, whenever I thought about it, I would pull out my box set of the show and try to find that lost episode to no avail. Just last week, a video from the YouTube channel Corridor Crew pulled a scene from a movie to react to, and lo and behold, it was The Incredible Shrinking Man. I was instantly nostalgic and so relieved to find the source of those black and white memories. So you can likely imagine the sheer delight when I discovered that you fellas had given this movie the Weird House deep dive treatment only days after I was reminded of how much it inspired me as a boy. Also to Joe's comment about wanting to see water portrayed as dangerous at miniature scale, another bit of childhood sci-fi nostalgia finds me recalling a book in the Danny Dunn series, Danny Dunn and the Smallifying Machine, in which there is a lot of talk about being careful not to lean against water droplets for fear of breaking the surface tension, falling in, and becoming trapped. Wonderful job as always. Wonderful movie. Thanks so much for all your hard work, guys. Levi. Oh, thanks, Levi. That's exactly what I was talking about. Oh, oh I, I feel like I got to go back and read this book. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, just look like at what a, a series of young reader books from. I'm just judging by the title, uh, the cover page. I'm thinking um, 70s or 80s. Looks like it. There's a bunch of, I mean, there's a 
picture of a kid's face. He looks a little like Alfred E. Newman. Uh, I don't think he's supposed to. And then there is, uh, there's like a giant grasshopper and, you know, I don't know, kids playing all around it. Hmm. Well, I've looked it up now. There are 15 books in the Danny Dunn series. And Danny Dunn and the Smallifying Machine is actually from 1969, uh, though that cover I was looking at, of course, certainly could be from subsequent decades. But yeah, this is a whole series I, I don't know anything about. Amazing. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out here, but we'd love to hear from everyone out there. If you have thoughts on, oh, uh, baths, uh, swimming, whales, uh, smallifying machines and uh, shrinking movies, uh, if you have comments uh, or, uh, or feedback on past episodes, current episodes, future episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, of The Artifact, The Monster Fact, or, uh, of course, episodes of Weird House Cinema, write in. We would love to hear from you. Well, I'm sure we mentioned this in our two most recent Weird House episodes, but definitely write in about your favorite shrink movies. What what shrink movies are we missing out on? Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of great ones. It just depends on how small do you want to go. I don't know if they'll ever top the uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror with Lisa and the Tooth, but I don't know. there's a lot of room to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, oh, uh, huge thanks, as always, to our audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other to suggest a topic for the future or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.